0: How do we determine what gives a story value and okay. whose story? And I th- and I yeah. think what do we, you know, like you had said earlier, and you know, like we have to be careful of the stories that we tell, right? We do. But we also have to be equally careful, and Dave you just said the of the stories we don't tell. Because oh, in yeah. not telling the story, yeah. we're telling a story. Absolutely. Right. That's right.
1: telling that's telling its own story. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture and we believe in the value of collaboration and reflection as we seek to keep growing as teachers so this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to christian educators welcome to the conversation good afternoon
0: everyone thanks for joining us in the hallway my name is matt beamers
1: Girl. And I'm Dave Mulder, with a cold. <coughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> with a cold. Yeah. So, I'm are... a tenor. Today I'm a bass. <laughs> well, you got a face for radio. So Thanks. Thanks yeah. <laughs> exactly
0: um. right. One of the things that we talked about last time uh, was this idea of when we start listening to Christmas music. Oh, that's right. And so... So controversial. It was more controversial, <laughs> but I actually have a more controversial, what I think is a more controversial question. So so once in a while, my friend uh, Abby here uh, has gifted me with the phrase, two things can be true. And I've realized <laughs> in my life that there's a lot of situations where two things can be true. But... But I've thought of a question before we get into our talking about education where two things can't be true. There's only one right answer to this question. And so my question for you is um, fake Christmas tree. Or real Christmas tree, and two things cannot be true at the same
1: time. Okay, so, so now, now my follow-up to that is, what do you mean by a real Christmas tree? Like, I have to go cut down a tree to bring it in my house because uh, something
0: that's okay. That's a, a great. That's alive.
1: That's a great.
0: Yeah, that is not made of plastic. That ah, you have to exactly. vacuum up. You have to vacuum up the needles when you don't water it enough. That fills sure. your house with the beautiful smell of pine when you wake Yum. up in the morning.
2: Well, um, I can see which team you're on.
0: No, I'm totally neutral about <laughs> this. But, but Abby, I was curious because you—I believe last episode on the podcast—you said you started listening to Christmas music around Labor Day or something like that. It was right? Not
2: that early. Or maybe but
0: Canadian Thanksgiving. Pentatonix
2: has a lot of different albums to get
1: through. Oh, oh, yeah. so you're not wrong.
0: <laughs> so in, in thinking that you are a—you know—you love Christmas.
1: I do.
2: Yeah. We have a fake tree. And it's we, beautiful. If you,
1: could, if you could see the look on Matt's face right now. Yeah. He's shooting dead. We've had
2: it since the year one of our marriage. <laughs> and it is. This is
1: the problem.
0: What? You, you, who puts <laughs> their Christmas. Christmas trees is not something you should be able to put away and take out.
2: Like, But it's you short... just throw a sheet over it. I don't even take the lights off.
1: Oh, oh he's dying. Your, you're, you're like, killing you carry
2: him. it down to the basement. <laughs> it, we moved, and I literally took it out of my storage room. My friend Brad carried it into my house, and he's like, just go downstairs. I'm like, no, put it in the corner.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Put it out. I feel like plugged I, it in.
2: Christmas. You know?
0: 18 months of mentoring becoming undone, <laughs> becoming undone, in, in simply by asking one
2: no. one oh, question. It's a gorgeous tree.
0: It's fake. It's not even a tree. <laughs> It's not even a tree. Folks, our friend Ed Starkenberg is as hears us yelling, come in here for a second, Ed. We, we don't have guests on the podcast. Ed, real tree or real tree or fake tree?
2: Christmas. At my house. Yeah. Yeah,
0: for Christmas tree. Fake. Yes. Yeah. He's team fake. Could you team fake, exactly. It's a, it's a metaphor for all of them, folks. Alright, thank
1: we don't need you here anymore. Dave? You It'll did leave me anyway. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, yeah. We we have always had a fake tree. We, yeah. we are we are fake tree people. See, so growing up, this is a funny thing. Like growing up in Southern California, where I did, we yeah. always got a real tree, and we would go to there was a Christmas tree farm. Ironic. And we would Go cut one down, right? And, oh, that's way too much work. I like having the fake yeah. tree. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Matt, <laughs> what I'm, do you have?
0: I'm beside. <laughs> I'm beside myself right now with both of you. Like living out in the Midwest in the cold, yeah. like in the snow. I honestly assumed everybody out here would, and I'm newer here. So I have never
2: ever cut down a Christmas tree. Ever. Really? Not well, that's
1: sad, though. You should have sometime have the experience of cutting. You're down hardly
0: tree. flourishing in life for right? <laughs> being very judgmental and saying that if you've never done that. So, in spite of the fake Christmas tree, we're gonna ke- fiasco. We're gonna keep going. And maybe we should get into it we now. Should, we
2: shouldn't agree all the time. We should.
0: A wise oh, person that. said that to me a few weeks ago. <laughs> Abby, you have come today. Yes. The last few, the last few podcasts, we've come with a, a quote. And okay. We had a David Smith quote a couple weeks ago. Then uh, Kieran Egan mm-hmm. quote. Last we time. talked yeah. about the power of storytelling and. Abby, yeah, so
2: so I changed it up a little bit, and I'm actually going to read a bit of a transcript from a TED talk. Okay. And all so right. we can maybe link it. In the show notes, notes. um, if you want to watch the whole thing. But it's called um, The Danger of a Single Story. Have either of you seen it?
1: I think you've mentioned this one maybe once before. Yeah, so I'm a
2: big fan, and I show it in several of my classes. So if my students are listening, it's going to be familiar to you. Um, It's by a Nigerian woman. Her name is Chimamanda Ngazi Adichie. And um, the premise of this TED Talk is she she grew up in Nigeria, obviously, and the only books she could get her hands on when she was a child were British
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: American. And she became a writer very early. And in her stories, all of her characters had blonde hair Hmm. and drank ginger beer and talked about the weather. Oh, interesting. Because the only story she had of books was that they had little British children in them, sure. right? And so yeah. she didn't know, she had no story or no context for the fact that she could write about things that she knew right. from where she lived. And then she kind of takes that idea and and really talks about the danger of when you have a single story yeah. for something. And I thought this was a nice, also, kind of continuation of our last sure. conversation, because, right. because when we talk about how story is so powerful, and I do just want to like also put a little disclaimer on that we have to be careful what stories we tell right and think about how the stories we tell are framing um things for our students and so here's the quote um she has just talked about how she had actually a really happy childhood but also living in africa had some things happen to her um that that were hard right i had grandfathers who died in refugee camps um, one of my friends died in a plane crash because our fire trucks did not have water, Um, things like that. And so this is what she says. All of these stories make me who I am, but to insist on only these negative stories is to flatten my experience and to overlook the many other stories that formed me. The single story creates stereotypes. And the problem with stereotypes is not that they are untrue, but that they are incomplete. They make one story become the only story. Of course, Africa is a continent full of catastrophes. There are immense ones, such as the horrific rapes in the Congo, and depressing ones, such as the fact that 5,000 people apply for one job vacancy in Nigeria. But there are other stories that are not about catastrophe, and it is very important, it is just as important, to talk about them. I've always felt that it is impossible to engage properly with a place or a person without engaging all of this, with all of the stories of that place and that person. The consequence of the single story is this. It robs people of dignity. It makes our recognition of our equal humanity difficult. It emphasizes how we are different rather than how we are similar." So that's what I want to talk about. That who do we have single stories of right and and how does Mm -hmm. our even our curriculum perpetuate single Mm -hmm. stories of different Mm -hmm. groups of people or and how can how can we create more fuller stories in our in our classrooms can i
0: can i start by asking you a question because you had you mentioned you know like you've showed this to your students Mm -hmm. at different times so clearly this resonates with you and this is important Mm -hmm. to you so can can you just start by maybe sharing a a bit of your story about why this resonates with you like I'm because I'm, it's it's beautiful and as I sit here I'm like I I, I find it poignant I find it challenging mm-hmm. I'm sort of sitting actually silently right. just really wow like this is powerful and yeah. so I'm trying to gather my own thoughts but maybe can you just yeah. share a bit of why it resonates with you
2: I think so my background is obviously English education right yeah. and mm-hmm. part of my job is I teach the English methods course to our secondary majors. So, I am literally the person teaching future English teachers how to do that well. Right. And so so I think the weight of that of of guiding those future teachers into selecting and thinking about how to frame mm-hmm. stories for their students yeah. is really kind mm-hmm. of why this hits me so hard, right? Yeah. So so my responsibility to think about how I'm influencing not only my students but their students yeah. in in the stories and the pictures they're really forming of the world through the literature that's available to them yeah. and that they learn yeah. in school. Yeah. And I think, and maybe you both agree with me, I think I had a pretty singular experience of the authors that I read being yeah. mostly white, mostly yeah. male, yeah. Yeah. right? And and that's formative yeah. for kids. And I. So I'm passionate about widening that circle a little bit and helping even my own kids, right, see God's creation and the beautiful diversity that it that it is and that it holds.
0: I'm also wondering about how do you balance exposing them to those different stories but limiting that to a textbook or what mm-hmm. they're reading or mm-hmm. to content? And and so I want to be really clear in saying that I think our I think it is vitally important and and I will say out loud here I need to do a better job of this as mm-hmm. a professor I need to do a better job yeah. of this, of of having our students be well read in mm-hmm. in every regard mm-hmm. um, and I know I have my go-to authors and oh, I, and I sure. can name them and we've talked about some of them mm-hmm. their names come up on this podcast and and because because they're they, they're really wonderful thinkers and writers but. Right. But it's but there's also wonderful thinkers and writers out there that I mm-hmm. that I need to work harder to be honest to to find. But so a I think it's vitally important that we expose our you know that that the students in our class are well read and, mm-hmm. and it's wide and there's depth and breadth to that. But I would push a little on that in terms of saying is that enough? That's a starting point for me. Yeah. Um, but it you know because as you talk. Abby, one of the things that i'm th- I find myself thinking about, and you can maybe help me with mm-hmm. this or even push back on it, is is this idea of 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 understanding who the other is mm-hmm. and who who my neighbor is. and mm-hmm. and i've always I've always wondered, this is just a wonder if how how much of our the polarization and the disagreement that happens in the world right now is because of misunderstood worldviews or assumptions we make about who our neighbor is Yeah. that we actually have way more in common with others right. who we think is the other, that we actually have way more right. in common than we, we do differently. And, mm-hmm. and so my wonder about it is, is yes. And is, is it enough? Like how does it do we? Yes. We get past a singular story by, but how, how much more do we want for them? So we get mm-hmm. them past that. And I, and I guess I'm thinking about myself, like, about how do we, who are our students literally rubbing shoulders with in a mm-hmm. text,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but how about in our community? how about And how about outside of our, outside of our community? Right. Because I think that for me, if I, if I think about it in my own life even, guys, I think about when I said, oh, like, I didn't know that about you. I didn't realize that. Or now we're the people that know. Um, boy, that doesn't mean it has to change everything, but it like, but it deepens understanding, right, of, yeah. of of who my neighbors and deepens understanding of what my role is as as a neighbor. So I'm, I guess I'm thinking out loud, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: but I, if I think about it as a dad, even it's like, ah, yes. And there's a part of me that wants even
2: more. Right. Right. I agree. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So.
1: That's my yeah. That's my
0: my my initial yeah. thinking
1: this is there. The first the first step at least, right? Yeah. Uh, to broaden some of that sort right. Th- this has me thinking again about this idea of hidden curriculum. That yeah. uh, I'm such a curriculum nerd, yeah. here, right? But so the formal curriculum is what we actually plan to teach, mm-hmm. and then the enacted curriculum is what you actually teach, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not the plan part. Yeah. And then the hidden curriculum is all just the
0: yeah.
1: implicit stuff, right? The the things that we don't necessarily name, but it's the kind of what we think here. Yeah. Or the mm-hmm. things that we intentionally exclude from the right. curriculum, right? Yeah. Like all of that too.
2: Right.
1: Ooh. And and this just has me as you as you bring this quote to us, Sammy I mean, that has me thinking about that, right? Like how often the what we think here, yeah. well who's the we that mm-hmm. we're talking about? Yeah, interesting. And and the authors that we bring in are part of that, right? Is that they yeah. are. Are is that reinforcing this mythical we, whoever we yeah. is? Yeah. Or is it broadening who we are.
2: And I, I've run into so many times when high school students, college students have never been taught to critically assess or analyze a text, right? Mm-hmm. And so everything that's ever been put in front of them, yeah. they've been taught to agree with and see as authority. And yeah. and if that's, and I'm, first of all, I think that's problematic. Sure. Right? Because yeah. We want our students to look at what they're reading with with some critical thinking. Right. Right. And look looking for logical fallacies and thinking about, you know, where is where is this reliable, where is it unreliable, um, and nonfiction. And but also if they've been taught that text is authority and everything they've ever read is by the same demographic of people, mm, yeah. they have learned to associate that authority with a certain and a very limited pool of people and so then therefore are other people not authorities for them or, or are they not worth listening to okay. or because they're not published or because they've never been exposed to what they've written well, or
1: that, that has me thinking though as, as you're saying that right so how do we get texts in front of students then like i want students to read things that i don't agree with mm-hmm. right Okay, so that gets weird because if I'm coming in as this authority figure as right. a teacher and I'm going to say here's something I want you to read because I don't agree with it, mm-hmm. and and then does that expand students' worldview or does that pull the rug out from under them? Right.
2: I, you have to do it carefully. Well, that's what I'm wondering, right? Yeah.
1: Like this just has me.
0: Well, and it also has me. It has me thinking about how do we how do we determine what gives a story value. And whose yeah. story? And I th- and yeah. I think what do we, you know, like you had said earlier, and you know, like we have to be careful of the stories that we tell, right? We do, but we also have to be equally careful. And Dave, you just said that, of the stories we don't tell, because mm-hmm. in yeah. not telling the story, yeah. we're telling a story. Right. <laughs> Absolutely, right. that's telling that's telling its own story. Oh. You know, last podcast we talked about this idea of being story formed people. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we are the story of God and His people, right? It's His, right. it is His right. singular story. But there is a multitude of stories. I mean, that yes. is the beauty of God's creation: is that it's all these stories mm-hmm. right. um, that all have value because the well, people then, in these stories have value because and, they're children of God. And the truth God.
2: can be found in yeah. All, yeah. Of, yeah. all of all these stories. Yeah, it's
0: right? it's interesting that in, in in telling a singular story, are are we inadvertently devaluing the richness of God's story even mm-hmm. right yeah. to say God has given us this beautiful diversity in his creation and and yet we're actually not we're not honoring that diversity mm-hmm. by by simply telling one story
1: because what would be the analogy here right they think about all the flowers that God has created all the different yeah. kinds of flowers yeah. and we're, we're gonna say nope there's really only one kind of flower that we're yeah. actually gonna value yeah. though right if it's not a red rose it ain't nothing yeah. right? Yeah. oh come on now right yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, no, totally. and, and so we could do the same thing with the stories of different people and say, yeah. well, there's really only one kind of story that we actually value. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder about that, if people and, approach it that way.
2: Right, and if you think about how this plays out in curriculum, right, so, so history is an easy example, mm. right, so whose history do we learn, whose yeah. history do we never right. touch, um, right. Right. Well, I have this
1: right now. So I'm teaching this world geography class yeah. that I teach every fall. Yeah. And I asked my students in class today. We're getting towards the end of the semester, and we're starting to do some reviewing and thinking back. Yeah. We look at all these different regions of the world. What were some regions of the world that you learned a lot about because you've never studied them mm-hmm. before? And right away they say, Central Asia. Never studied yeah. Central Asia before. Yeah. It's like, okay, but Afghanistan is in Central Asia, and you should know things about Afghanistan. Like, you should. And yeah. and for a lot of them, they're like, we never learned anything about no. this. Okay. Well, there's a story that they've missed out on. Yes.
2: Absolutely. And then
1: now, that hopefully, this course was an opportunity to enrich The first time I learned in. about
2: Afghanistan was when I read The Kite Runner. Yeah. I, had, I knew nothing. Right. As an adult.
1: And, and what a great yeah. story oh, here again. Such to, a good story. To un- unveil yes. things that you didn't yes. realize you didn't know. Right. Totally. That's the problem. We don't know what we don't know. Yeah. No. Like, we know the things we know, and we know there are things mm-hmm. we don't know, but we don't know the things we don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, I, but I also
0: think... And so, same thing. I taught... I had the... Uh, yeah, I had the pleasure. It was amazing to teach kite runner. Mm-hmm. I learned so much. I learned so much about it, even myself in terms of my own singular story of, mm-hmm. of how I uh, of how I saw the world, and we need to tell those stories. But there's also those stories we don't know in our own towns.
2: Oh yes, absolutely. Right,
0: and so in some. W-
2: yep.
1: So I don't
0: want to say it's easier. That's not the right word. But no. but we need to wrestle with both. Yes. What what are the, the low What are the local mm-hmm. stories that we need mm-hmm. to be more mm-hmm. aware of? What are the global stories we need to be more aware of? Uh, the national stories, mm-hmm. like you know, I I I'll, for myself growing up in Canada, I knew so sadly, sadly, and embarrassingly, knew so little about the atrocities, um, mm-hmm. of residential schools and the Indigenous mm-hmm. people, yes, the absolutely. atrocities. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about, uh, you know, an incomplete story, but the, that was such an incomplete story for me. Um, and it's and now looking back, being, being upset with myself, um, being sad and mad that that those stories just weren't told. And
2: and and again, and this is why I like
0: the the words that we that we've used in terms of the the. Um, the indigenous story and kind of about truth and reconciliation, Mm -hmm. reconciliation, reconciliation, restoration, of course, needs to be the goal. But can we get there without truth? And can we, can can we name those hard stories in our own community, our own community? And they don't, and there's, and also the good stories. And I think you talked about this, like it doesn't just Mm -hmm. have to be the, the hard catastrophic stories. Like how do we tell all stories Mm -hmm. and, and celebrate the good things too, but But it but it needs to be both, Mm. and there needs to be depth and breadth to it.
2: Right, and and what happens when our students only learn about African American history through the lens of slavery? Right. um, Yeah,
1: that that too is a single story. It's a single story, and there's nuance that they can understand. Yeah. More that there is more to that story.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just that's a good question. Mm.
1: No, and and I guess.
0: and, in the end, then, for me, as we're we're talking about, is it, just even like what's yeah, you know, what's our deep hope for our students, right? So that you know, like we we've used this quote by Woltersdorf before, this idea of like, hey, we want our students to engage and shape culture after they leave our institutions. We need to have them engage and shape culture, practice doing that while they're in our wow, institutions. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, if we want them to write a better story, mm-hmm. When they leave our schools, they need to know the okay. stories, um, the other stories that they can participate in. There's not just one story um, where their gifts can be used. No, it's it's good. Folks, we want to thank you for being with us in the hallway today. We know that your time is valuable. Um, as you head into this week, we just want to send you with a blessing. So to each of you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks for joining
1: us. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual Hallway Conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening.